Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler, from the Draft Network, and it's been a little while since we last spoke, and a lot of good things have happened over the last few weeks since the last time we spoke, a little bit in, in since mid-June, and obviously the main one is the extension signed by Terry McLaurin, the face of the Commanders franchise and the face of an organization over the last few years since he first stepped foot onto NFL-branded turf and put on the burgundy and gold for the first time. We talked about it on many, many pods before, when he was going to sign, how much he was going to sign for. But the main thing is, is that the deal is done. And Terry McLaurin is back in Washington on a brand new three-year, $71 potentially million dollar deal that also included a $28 million signing bonus. That was the highest signing bonus ever to be signed by a wide receiver in NFL history. And really, that's fine. It's not like in years past when this team has signed free agents or really their own and overpaid. This was not a situation to where you could overpay at any point on Terry McLaurin. He wanted money to be paid. He wanted to be paid handsomely like some of the best receivers in football because he's proven that he belongs in the conversation to be a potential top three or top five wide receiver in the NFL, whether it's this year, next year, or moving into down the line, or past this current contract where Washington could sign him to another lucrative deal in the years to come. But the biggest thing is that they locked him up a month before the start of training camp and folks were really getting ready to go because everything, again, is starting to come together on both sides of the ball. And the biggest face that was missing this offseason, OTA's mandatory minicamp, was number 17. And while it got good work in for guys like Curtis Samuel, like Deami Brown, and first-round pick Jahan Dotson to create that rapport and develop that chemistry that they will need this year outside of Terry McLaurin, Terry's back. And that's the biggest thing, probably one of the biggest news and positive news to break in Ashburn in the last few years because number 17 is back. Terry McLaurin is geared ready to go for another potential breakout season because obviously, you know, every single year he's more of an underappreciated talent in our game just considering the fact that he's put up ridiculous amounts of success with the below-average quarterback talent that has been in Washington over the last few years. And hopefully, if everything comes to fruition, he and Carson Wentz should both, both thrive this fall. So with that out of the way and Terry back in the Burgundy Gold again this year, which is excellent news. Wanted to jump in to the purpose of this episode, and we're going to have two this week. This one is going to be a preview of the offensive roster in consideration of the final 53, so a offensive roster projection. How I see the offense, who's slotting, who's going to earn a spot at tight end, interior line, quarterback, all the spots on offense. We're going to go through each position group and who I see making a roster spot. And then later in the week, we're going to finish out with the defense and special teams 
before I have to travel later this week and hop back on here right before training camp begins. So with that, let's jump right into today's episode and the offense and my offensive projection for the burgundy and gold this fall. And of course, we will start the most important position in potentially all of American sports, and that's the quarterback spot. And it's really no question. It's, it's Carson Wentz is QB1 this year. And he'll be backed up by Taylor Heineke and Sam Howell will probably spend most of the year in a t-shirt and shorts and holding a clipboard and getting calls from Scott Turner in his ear. But he will probably be inactive for most of his rookie season. Now things can change. We definitely know as Washington followers everywhere, whether it's myself that work for the team and now with the draft network and following it, you know, deep three, four layers down deep, or, you know, you guys out there, some of you, you're just casual fans following the team or you're diehards and been around since the glory days of Joe Gibbs. And you guys are diehards of the team. You guys understand that the quarterback position in Washington has been a carousel of sorts. Well, not of sorts. It's been a carousel. And we know that. And every single year, we can't, I don't think we can go in feeling positive, like maybe with Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, right? They understand what they're going to get from him. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Josh Allen in Buffalo. Don't have that luxury in Washington and haven't had it since Mark Rippon departed. So with Carson Wentz under center, he's your QB1. Taylor Heineke, I like Taylor Heineke. I know a lot of you guys out there are even still continuing to push for Taylor Heineke to potentially even challenge Carson Wentz for that QB1 role this offseason, but We've seen what Taylor Heineke can do under center. It was a great run in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. And last season, it was more of a just a flash in the pan and someone that will look back 10, 15 years and say, hey, remember that Taylor Heineke kind of slew of seasons in Washington. But his skill set is a above average backup in this league, and you need that. And we can just travel even a little bit north up to Baltimore and see what the, the role of Tyler Huntley and his role in Baltimore behind Lamar Jackson and that the importance of backup quarterbacks in this league. However, the key to success for Washington this fall relies under center and Carson Wentz's immediate progression within Scott Turner's offense. He talked about it this offseason. He's learning a new offense. He's learning new calls. It's not working with Frank Reich and Indy in the, in the experiences that he had with him in Philadelphia. This is a brand new offense with new movement pre-snap, different looks that he's looking at and focusing on, whether it's how many safeties are in the box, what are they rolling to post-snap. He's going to rely a lot on Chase Roulier, the center, to read the first and second level of the defense so he can keep his eyes on the secondary. He's been talking about that this offseason. Hopefully, all of that can round into form and potentially lead Washington back to the playoffs or just be competitive at the top of the NFC East. And really, it's what we expect this fall with a roster that should be one of the NFC East's best because they do have talent, but it's on paper right now. They have to put it in between the hashes and succeed this fall. And that really relies on Carson Wentz's improvement and overall success over a 17-game or more slate this fall. So at quarterback, you got three guys. It's Carson Wentz, it's Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. And UDFA Cole Kelly could be a practice squad stash. I know he's turned a lot of heads with his size and the amount of production that he had last year at Southeastern Louisiana in the FCS. Um, He's a big talent, big arm talent. Stands in the pocket, almost looks like a Walmart version of Andrew Luck, if you will. Not going to go there. 
but he could be a practice squad stash. But right now, for for quarterbacks, you got three guys in Wentz, Heineke, and Howell. So let's jump over to the running backs, and that's another group where the three guys that are going to make the roster are pretty much nailed down and etched in stone. And Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and rookie Brian Robinson, who the team drafted on day two out of Alabama. And really, if you look at all three of those guys, Scott Turner's talked about it a lot this offseason. He wants to have a potential three-headed backfield with those three talents. You look at Antonio Gibson and the dynamic playmaker that he is, He's top three in rushing in the NFC last year. I know that's kind of been slid under the rug because of his fumbling concerns. That could also be an issue this year. And if it is, and we're going to have major issues with Antonio Gibson, despite his talent, but got to hold on to the football. You got the change of pace back in J.D. McKissick. Extremely excited for him to return to Washington after rumors were that he was going to sign in Buffalo in free agency. And then you got Brian Robinson. There's a little bit of a wild card right now, but he can do it all. And we did it all and was successful at Alabama, whether you need him to be a short yardage, third and two, third and three guy and run behind the butt of Andrew Norwell and get you three yards, he can do that. Or you want to get him outside on some tosses and ask him to create space a little bit. I think he has a little bit more juice than people have been getting him credit for. So that's three guys right now that you have running in the running backs room that get you really excited on offense to do a lot of different things, how Turner will deploy them this year. But behind them are two guys that I remain extremely interested in to see this battle in camp with Jarrett Patterson and Jonathan Williams. Because no, by no mean means are Jonathan or Jarrett going to challenge Brian Robinson, Tony Gibson, or J.D. McKissick for their role. But we've seen the success even in last year with Jarrett and Jonathan Williams at the back end of the year with his success against Philadelphia that he had. They can play ball as well. But the cuts are some of the hardest things to do in this league and make. And when you get a better roster, you're going to have to cut better players to overall improve your roster. Uh, Jonathan Williams and Jarrett, if they're not in Washington, they will have a spot somewhere else. But those are two guys that I know will compete their tail off this offseason and into training camp. And right now, probably working their tail off because they know they got every every rep matters this offseason with those three names already ahead of them on the depth chart. So that's going to be a fun camp battle to watch potentially if Washington wants to roster that fourth running back between Jonathan Williams and Jarrett Patterson. So from running backs, let's jump up front to the big boys. And I want to talk about the interior. Let's just talk about tackles. Let's talk about the boys on the outside, our bookends. And I think Washington will roster three. I think they potentially have a guy in Sadiq Charles. I think they could play tackle in an emergency role. Or they could grab somebody if they wanted to cut someone on the back end of the roster, like an Aaron Montero, if they wanted to release him and bring somebody veteran-like, potentially in the middle or the tail end of the season if they had to but right now it's Charles Leno at left tackle it's Sam Cosme at right tackle and your swing tackle is Cornelius Lucas so I'm extremely excited about because you need that swing tackle role in case of injury which we know up front front five for the last few years is a shuffling of bodies for John Matsko the offensive line coach's unit now is that a good thing no you want to try to keep as healthy as you can up front but Washington has one of the older front fives in football. You got Charles Leno, Ben in the league, Andrew Norwell, Chase Roulier, Trey Turner, Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme is the baby 
of the unit, but everyone to his left has been in the league a while, and they've, you know, they've gotten their, uh, you know, their licks in in the NFL, if you will. They've gotten their feet wet. It's not just their feet. They're they're up to their nose in you know in the NFL waters now, and they've been around the league a little bit. They've they've seen a little bit of everything. They've had their Pro Bowls. They've had their, their successes, but. It's pretty simple right now where Washington sits at the tackle spot. It's going to be Leno. It's going to be Cosme as your two main bookend starters. And Cornelius Lucas is going to be someone that can start at either left or right tackle in a pinch. So from there, let's go to the interior with a bunch of beefy bodies and a lot of new faces. And I talked about it a little bit, a little bit about them. But Andrew Norwell is the starter at left guard. Chase Roulier is at center and back after dealing with nagging you know fibula and ankle injuries last year nasty injuries and then at right guard is five-time pro bowler trey turner now am i going to sit here and say that trey turner is going to be a pro bowler this year like brandon sheriff was consistently in washington no absolutely not he's a downgrade from brandon sheriff and probably he's over the hill Uh, excuse me let me not say over the hill say past his prime just a little bit but connections matter in this league and he understands what ron rivera wants to do on offense, what Scott Turner wants to do on offense. And he fits the system. And he plugs in right away to a veteran front five and one that could potentially be a top 10, seven unit in football this year. So, but it looks like it's going to be six bodies for me along the line. It's Norwell left guard. You got Roulier. You're going to have Trey Turner at right guard. And then behind them, I like Chris Paul, kid they drafted out of Tulsa. Obviously, he'll make the team. He can kind of give you that swing option. I like him at right guard. Wes Schweitzer, 100% is a lock. He showed his impact last year when Brandon Sheriff went out. I thought he was a clear fix at the right guard spot for this fall as a starter for 17 games. I had no issue doing that. But obviously, you know, they thought otherwise and bringing in Trey Turner. So then you got Sadiq Charles. So, Roulier, Norwell, Turner, Schweitzer, Paul, and Sadiq Charles as your guard. And for me, I've talked a lot about Sadiq Charles, talent out of LSU that Washington drafted just a few years ago. And this may be his last year to prove to Washington that he belongs in the NFL. By no means do I expect him to be a longtime starter in football because he's still relatively young. But... Washington does just doesn't know what he's going to be right now. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? They moved him from tackle to guard. This spring, they played him at tackle, and they played him at guard, at both guard spots. Then they room that said he could potentially play even some center in a pinch. When you start to move somebody around a ton of different positions, there's a difference between having versatility and then being desperate to fit you on a roster. And Sadiq, I think, will make the roster. He is a talented individual. I just don't think, in a pinch, they would go to potentially him. Well, Wes Schweitzer, first off, is going to fill in at the guard spots. And then you drafted Chris Paul, who had a good minicamp. And then you got Sadiq, who needs to prove this when we get into 11, full-on 11-11s and camp, that he could holster in the interior against Deron Payne and John Allen and Phil Mathis and show that ability to displace guys in the run three, four yards downfield, move up to the second level and reach and get guys like Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb, these athletic linebackers that he's going to be facing in the NFC East this year. Guys like Leighton Vander Esch, Micah Parsons, if he, if he scoots back to the second level. Two guys in Philadelphia and TJ Edwards who had a breakout season last year and earned a contract extension. 
and Kaiser White, who they brought over from the Los Angeles Chargers. So there's talent, obviously, in the NFC East. And if someone were to go down, whether it was Norwell or Turner, and you look at Schweitzer, and he was potentially, obviously hasn't proven to be completely healthy the last few years. That's City Charles is up next if they don't want to throw rookie Chris Paul into the fire right away. And does, has he had success in college at LSU? Yes, it's the SEC. Usually you get guys out of the SEC and you think their grace period from there to the NFL is shortened because of the amount of talent that they face, whether they're facing Georgia, Alabama, or they're facing Vanderbilt and Missouri. doesn't matter. It's still the SEC. But for Sadiq Charles this year, this is a massive season for him. I'm really interested to see him in camp this summer and how he'll play because this could potentially be his last season in Washington, but I do have him making the roster in the interior. So again, six interior O-linemen for me. Chase Roulier at center, Andrew Norwell flanking him on the left side, Trey Turner on the right side as your starters in the interior, Wes Schweitzer backing them up, who also could work at center as well, and then Sadiq Charles and Chris Ball. So from there, I want to jump over. Before we get to the receivers, I want to talk about tight ends. Another extremely intriguing offensive positional group in Washington that I think that could progress and be a very, very dynamic advent and present Washington a bunch of advantageous matchups on offense considering the skill sets of guys like Logan Thomas, rookie Cole Turner, who they drafted out of Nevada, John Bates, who was excellent in the run game and blocking and displacing bodies last year as a rookie out of Boise State. And then you got guys behind them. And I know all you guys out there love the physical freak that Samus Reyes is, and he made the roster last year after just a couple months. And Curtis Hodges, a big 6'8 kid out of Arizona State. You got former fourth rounder Antonio Gandy Golden making the switch from the wide receiver to the tight end spot at six foot four with elite athletic ability going up and snagging the football out of the air and then you got the ultimate wild card in Armani Rogers and UDFA from Ohio as a former quarterback and we've seen Washington have some success as guys making that transition from the quarterback to tight end position and we've seen it around the NFL a bunch and I remember Logan Thomas was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals as a quarterback out of Virginia Tech, then switched to the tight end position. And now Armani Rodgers, who had success at Ohio as a quarterback, making the switch to tight end in Washington in his debut NFL potential season. But he's a big talent, athletic. And he, from people I've talked to, is thought upon very highly inside that building and is really someone to watch because of that athletic ability and the potential mismatches that he could present teams, whether you want to align him right next to the offensive tackle or flex him outside, even in the red zone, like they have with Logan Thomas. Not just saying he's going to run fades like Josh Dotson in the, in the Jay Gruden days. We're not talking about that. He can compete within the 20s as well. But there are names in front of him, and there's three in Logan Thomas, John Bates, and Cole Turner right now that are locks on this roster. But the guys behind them, guys that are talented, very similar to Jared Patterson and Jonathan Williams in the running backs room that are going to be really fun to watch compete their tails off 
every single individual rep, seven on sevens, 11 on 11s when the teams are fully padded up, seeing Curtis Hodges and that big height and that athletic ability that he has. Then he got Armani Rodgers, who's making the transition from that quarterback spot and the intricacies that he understands about defenses that Thomas understands. That's that's a unique perspective for him at the position. And now it's very different playing the tight end spot and playing the quarterback spot in football and kind of the physical nature that comes along with it. But there are a bunch of names in this tight ends room that can compete for snaps this year. Although, I do have four right now making the roster. And that's Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and I do think that Antonio Gandy-Golden will make the roster. I do. I, I think he is a talented kid still making the transition from... Wide, the wide receivers room over to the tight ends room with Juan Castillo and he'll get him right uh, I think he's extremely raw as a prospect but you draft somebody in the fourth round they're trying to make it work and I think him AGG and Sadiq Charles are, are really in the same boat and Washington's trying to figure out what they want to do with both those guys now do I think Gandy Golden could be you know eventually even added on the practice squad if they wanted to add someone like keep Hodges or keep Rogers just as a potential guy that could they, they could develop down the line? Maybe. But you're really not going to waste a roster spot on developmental potential tight end making a position switch. But for Antonio coming from the wide receiver spot, it's a little bit similar. And we've seen all over the league these teams, these tight ends that have been so successful, not really look or act or play like your typical tight ends and their movement ability and their ability to create over corners, over safeties, over linebackers, and just present nightmares for opposing defensive coordinators. And really, you look at this the three that are going to probably earn the most snaps this year. Hopefully, no knock on wood of injuries. Hopefully, they hold off. But with Logan Thomas, who knows if he's healthy? Who knows what his workload could be in week one. And then you got a rookie in John Bates, excuse me, a rookie in Cole Turner, and you got a second-year guy in John Bates who really isn't that elite aerial threat that Turner and Thomas are right now. And I know Cole's been excellent in minicamp, in OTAs, rookie camp, whatever you want to look at, back at Nevada when he's working with Carson Strong in that air raid offense at Nevada. He is a potentially dynamic pass catcher but he is a rookie and that matters and I hate saying that because it's almost like thinking back you thinking back to high school right oh the fre- he's, freshman's excellent he's better than the senior on varsity oh but he's a freshman it doesn't matter if he can play he can play and you're at the NFL level now Cole Turner can play now I do have some concerns about his ability to separate against linebackers that can run four fives four sixes Safeties are going to potentially come to the line of scrimmage to be a little bit more physical with him. I think he has a lot of room to grow and understand the optics of creating that separation and creating throwing windows. I think he has excellent hands. I think his catch radius is outstanding, but he does have room to grow in these smaller, shorter areas of winning in a phone booth, and I'm extremely excited to see him this offseason. So for me in the tight ends room, before we get to the receivers, Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and I'll say Antonio Gandy-Golden for now, and a toss-up between him and Curtis Hodges 
for right now. So let's go to the wide receivers, one of the rooms that is the deepest in Washington this year. And obviously, headliner, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Cam Sims, Jamie Brown. That's five guys right there that are 100% lock them up, put in the safe until the roster final 53 is announced and the depth starts released on the website. All five of those guys will make the roster, each with unique skill sets, despite the fact that Terry, Curtis, Jahan, and Diami look similar, other other than Kim Sims, who's obviously, you know, pushing 6'4 and rocked up and can create in the air and just do some different things that you wouldn't really want Curtis Samuel to do or, or Diami to do right now. He just that more physical presence on the outside and I'm really excited for Cam this year to potentially see if he can actually earn a workload because every every season it seems like we see Cam Sims in the sideline and then when he comes in the game he creates I would really like for Cam to earn some targets this year if Diami can't stay if can't stay step up if Curtis Samuel ends up on the shelf again we know what we're going to get from Terry McLaurin. He gets his no matter who's over him, right? doesn't matter if they want to bracket him, they want to double him. He's going to get his and draw attention for other guys to open up the offense. And you look at someone like Jahan Dotson, received a ton of rave reviews this offseason and this spring for his immediate rapport that he developed with Carson Wentz. You saw what he could do at Penn State in the Big Ten. A dynamic receiver at all three levels of the field, sure hands, plays like he's 6'6", he plays like he's Mike Evans, Julio Jones jumping in the air. That's what he plays like. Now, he's not them. I don't want to make a comparison and be misquoted here, but Jahan Dodson is an enticing talent in this offense considering the fact that he has bodies around him to kind of lighten that load and take it off him. And I wrote even recently this week on thetraffnetwork.com about Drake London down in Atlanta. There's no faces around him to take the load off. Sure, Kyle Pitts is there. But Drake London from day one has to be that guy. Jahan Dotson does not have to be that guy from day one, week one, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's matched up against Tyson Campbell. He doesn't have to win every single matchup. That's on Terry McLaurin. That's on Curtis Samuel. That's on Logan Thomas if he's healthy in the inside. They're going to look for guys like Delmi Brown in year two to step up. Now, is that not to say he's going to be a feature target in this offense? <laughs> he's going to be a feature target in this offense, guaranteed. And I think he may even challenge to be a top potential two or three receiver when it's all said and done among rookies as far as receptions and yards this fall. Because I think he's a hell of a talent on the outside. Extremely, extremely excited to see him work this summer opposite of number 17 those two run routes and create havoc down the field for secondaries to defend so for me i'm gonna go with for the first 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 five terry curtis jahan cam sims diami brown and the sixth one is where we get fun because i will i do think they will roster the typical six but usually that's saved for a guy that has some return savvy but Washington doesn't have that guy this year other than Alex Erickson. Jahan did it a little bit at Penn State. Curtis Samuel did a little bit at Ohio State, and he showed a little bit in Carolina because it has that dynamic short area quickness and can take it to the house on every touch when healthy. But Alex Erickson is the only guy on the roster right now with that experience. Adam Humphreys is gone. DeAndre Carter is now gone. So that roster spot right now might be Alex Erickson's locked up because he has that relationship with Ron Rivera 
He knows what he can do, and he can also work over the slot a little bit and provide you that veteran leadership as well, and then just drop back and return punts for you. He can do that as well. So that places guys like Dax Milne, Kelvin Harmon, Jaquez Azard, a UDFA from Sam Houston State that I got live eyes on down at the Senior Bowl. That's extremely electric. That has that special teams value. And then one of my favorites, off my off-season favorites, is Markin Michelle, former CFL standout and someone that's lit up camp. Now, granted, he's been standing out against the threes and the fours, but you can play, like we talked about earlier. You can play, you can play. And if he gets some reps against the ones or the twos and continues to showcase and you go into the preseason, he's lighting teams up. That's someone that will make the back of this roster and potentially force them to whether they want to keep six and keep Michelle as that last guy or keep seven. So Markin Michelle, Kelvin Harmon, Dax Millen are three talents right now that are fighting for that sixth spot along, alongside Alex Erickson. I think one of those guys, if they can develop and show some prowess as a returner, I don't see Kelvin Harmon doing that. Michelle, I don't. he hasn't had any experience at the NFL level doing that. I don't see him doing that at the NFL level. So right now, it could be six receivers with Alex Erickson as that last spot with that returner's prowess. But it's going to be another positional battle that Ron Rivera has created in this culture in Washington to where every snap, every rep, every target is earned. And I absolutely love that about Ron and extremely excited for the offense this season. So that is the full offensive roster projection. We're going to get in again to the defense and the three special teamers, because as we know, punters, kickers, and long snappers obviously matter. Washington drafted Cameron Cheeseman out of Michigan last year. They matter. So, but I want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I know I haven't talked to you guys in a little bit, but hope you enjoyed the episode. Please like, share subscribe comment we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts wherever you get your sports your news your info you can find us at again all of my work is housed at the draftnetwork.com you can give me a follow on twitter at underscore ryan fowler and again appreciate you guys as always tuning in but before we go wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our partners at bet online who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including on this year's Major League Baseball, MMA, F1, NASCAR. We got Wimbledon going on over the pond. If you want to make some bets on that, throw a little bit on tennis. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, believe, that's BL. E-A-V to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I will talk to you later in the week. I hope everyone's summer is going well. Have a safe and fun, enjoyable 4th of July weekend. Just no Jason Pierre Paul fireworks accidents out there. Make sure you're taking care of yourself when you're lighting those things off and making your neighborhood glow up. But Everyone enjoy your weekend. Have a safe and fun 4th of July, and I will talk to you next time. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.